0: I was thinking back. 1990, I think, was first time I met these five guys uh, from Ballaton, Minnesota. I think we met in Marshall. I have to, Paul Swift, Dan Stewart, Mike Nelson, John Nakamas, and Bob Fricke. Uh 33 years ago. Tell me time goes by fairly quick. Don't you feel like you just got out of high school? I know Matt just got out of high school, praise God. But don't you feel like, I'm, Matt? I'm not picking on you. You, you gotta ask Mike Nelson how I got him dancing before the Lord one time. At a, it was in the old building, and and man, the worship started going pretty good, and people were beginning to dance, and Mike wasn't dancing. And I said, brother, you gotta dance, and so I kind of took him by the hand, and up we went, and off he went, and you know one of the things that has blessed me over the years was to see the worship the heart of worship that both Mike and Cindy had and it's a good example and uh and a good testimony. But anyway, uh 33 years ago and you reflect on different memories and different times and input and uh high high points and low points and every other point and as we said in the Sunday school class, the Anchor Holes, uh, you didn't choose God, he chose you. And that was a long time ago, before the world was even created. You know why I did that? Because your relationship with God is not based upon what you do, it's based upon who you are. And it's based upon what he did, not what we do and so we're in a good place praise God if you have your Bibles turn to John chapter 4 John chapter 4 are basically my main verses will be 23 and 24 um, John 4:23. Twenty-four. Now, let me give you the framework here of these verses. Uh, Jesus had come to a well, sitting there, kind of a stranger, quietly, sent by the Father, and here she comes. Her life's a disaster. Five failed marriages, now living with number six. Shame, beaten down. She comes at noon because the women come at 6. She's not about to come at 6 because she doesn't want a fellowship. And all of a sudden this stranger says, "Give me a drink," and the thing that stuns her was the tone of his voice. Maybe the first time in her life she heard a man speak to her with a kind, inviting tone. She's intrigued. How can you ask me for a drink? You're a man. How can you ask me for a drink? You're Jew. I'm Samaritan. Gender and racial difference. If you knew the gift I have, you would have the answer. And the gift is water. And it flows out of me and it's grace of God coming from the throne And he begins to talk about this water. And, of course, she says, you don't have a bucket. She doesn't get it. And they keep pressing, and she keeps asking. And then at crunch time, when she really wants a drink, he says, go call your husband. Oh, her head dropped. Please. Later on, her testimony to her hometown will be, come and listen to the man who told me everything I ever did. That's the mother of all counseling sessions. You see, the grace of God allows people to free and open up. Religion wants you to pretend. You got to hide. You got to look good, but you're a mess inside. Grace lets you be a mess outside. You're all a mess. There's two prodigals in Luke 15. One is really obvious, and he knows it. The other one doesn't know he's a prodigal. Because he's cloaked in religious nonsense, pride, arrogance. Give me a drink. Five husbands you've had. Her eyes get real big because she had said, I don't have a husband, half lying. And number six is a live-in. Well, what happened is she got a drink. How do I know that? Because everybody that drinks of his grace, everybody that truly gets born again, everybody that truly gets made alive in the spirit wants to worship. It's instinctive. It's uh, one famous brother said, the reason God has missions is because he wants worship. It's all about worship. The preeminence of Jesus Christ. And the worshiping of him. So she begins to talk about worship. She says, well, I heard that you got to go to Jerusalem. And I heard about this place. And and so we come to our verses where he instructs her about worship. And this is one of the most important words right now for the body of Christ in the hour in which we are living in. Let me give you a little framework of the hour. You're in the last days. You're in the time when the Bible says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Without going on a rabbit trail, does anybody know what's going on in Kansas City right now? One of the greatest shakings in ministries in the last 30 years. And isn't it ironic? It's all about worship down there. Serious things going on. Somebody agree with me right now? I want to be a true worshiper of Jesus in spirit. I don't want to be fraudulent. Hallelujah. Before creation, you know who the worship leader was in heaven? Lucifer, you know how close he was to the throne? That close. But he was created. And he got so jealous of Jesus. He wants his place. And all evil, all sin, all bondage, all death, all religion, all great Horrors of humanity, holocaust, go right on down the line. It's all the fruit of a fallen worship leader. And here's what happened when Satan fell. He took worship with him. He knows how it works. He knows the ins and outs of it. He was absolutely beautiful. He still is, for that matter. If you were to see Satan right now, you'd be stunned. Because it's all about and read it in Ezekiel twenty eight and read it in Isaiah fourteen and you can see the, the inner pulse beat of of and so so Satan is seeking worshipers. He wants to draw worshipers away from Christ to himself. In John four twenty three twenty four, 24, we got to get to the verse. But an hour is coming and now is. Please hear me prophetically. An hour is coming. I want you to apply it to our lifetime right now. In 2024, you're going to see the greatest, craziest, chaotic election year in your lifetime. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail. Because my hope is not in Washington. My hope is in God. And in God's house. And I'm not going to get seduced by false answers to humanity's dilemma and humanity's problem, which is one thing only. The grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of righteousness is the only hope for mankind. And you are privileged privileged, and I am privileged to declare and see that kingdom advanced. For an hour is coming and now is. True worshipers. Say it with me right now. Come on. I want to be a true worshiper. I'm telling you, there's a lot of false. There's a lot of fake. I want to be a true worshiper. All right. We can say, okay, Jesus, we're all in. We want to be true worshipers. All right. Here's how it works. An hour is coming, and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks. He's seeking your heart right now in a fresh way. He's seeking my heart right now in a fresh way. The Father seeks to be his worshippers. Then he gives a little how-to. That's the what. That's the goal. Now, here's how that works. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I always pay attention when I read the word must. What does the word must suggest? Church, please hear me. This is not optional. This is not, I think I'll Pray about it. This is basic foundational ground rules for worship that pleases Father, that pleases heaven. This is what you want. And, and I'm, I'm kicking myself that I wasn't here last night, but I'm glad I wasn't here last night because I think I said some things that confirmed this morning what happened last night, so that makes me feel good. Can I, can I hear an amen? Amen. Even though I didn't get a big buck at Brian's, my guide kind of let me down. But we'll live for another day. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Just say it with me, must. must. This is a lordship issue. This is a lordship issue. It's not optional. Why would God give such definition because he knows the power of true worship he knows what it will do in your life and in my life worship is both a defense and an offense we're going to see that lord willing praise god we're going to see it's both a defense and it's a offense it's both in the mind of god he wants true worshipers he wants true worshipers they must worship in spirit and in truth. Let me zone in on the spirit side right now. What, what I'm really glad to hear and see and and uh, praise God what I... When I when I listen to Matt on it, you know, he's just a good teacher. I, I can already tell you that right now. He's going to have a love for the word. You're going to get good, solid word, and it's going to be accurate word, and he takes it very seriously, and he studies, and he's going to press in and dig in, and he's going to break the bread of life for you, and he's going to declare truth. So I'm not going to cover the truth part. Obviously, if you're going to worship in truth, you worship who he really is. The unique, preeminent, one of a kind, God incarnated, son of God, son of the father, <clears throat> sitting at the right hand. And all the truth of who Jesus is and all the truth of our faith that we we are born again by grace and faith Alone. This is the authoritative word of God. This is boss. All doctrine has to go be filtered through the clear word of God. And let's be encouraged today. What we really need to know is very easy to understand. John one one a good example, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A fifth grader, a third grader, a first grader can read that having just learned, and it seems like Jesus is God. End of story. Worship in spirit. I think it's good to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can't fully worship in spirit if you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, That means when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're then ushered into this beautiful, wonderful realm of speaking in tongues. Why has Satan picked on tongues more than the other gifts? Because he hates it. 1 Corinthians 14 is very clear, verses 1 and 2. When you speak in tongues, you go dark, as far as Satan is concerned. Because you speak mysteries to God, and he doesn't understand what you're saying to God, and he hates it. And so he wants to undermine the gift, and he wants you to stop speaking in tongues, Church, I've been doing this thing for 50 years, and I've seen so many believers who have started out really good who have, frankly, dried up. If you don't speak in tongues, be encouraged. I'm not judging you. Please, just know that you can. It's open to all, and they all spoke in tongues Time after time after time in the book of Acts. Paul says, I would that you would all speak in tongues. It's so clearly laid out. I understand the Corinthian church went overboard and Paul has to bring some apostolic adjustment. Don't, don't, don't let that be an excuse to stop praying in the spirit. Now here's the second thing. You can sing in the spirit. I was singing in tongues with Olivia this morning as at different times because singing in tongues can take you a place to a place in worship that singing in English won't take you. It's just how it is. And that's why you want to worship in spirit is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if you don't speak in tongues ASAP get someone one of the elders or a group of people that have been around for a while who flow in that very easily for me it's so second hand it's so hallelujah you just off you go cuz i will pray with my mind i will pray with my spirit i will sing with my mind i will sing with my spirit it's as casual and relaxed as just flowing in the natural Baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Now let's look at the essence of worship. What is worship? See, the Godhead, I, I often think about things like this, I don't know. But what did God do before there were angels? What did God do before there was you? What did God do before man? And before angels, what did God do when that's all there was, was God? Was he bored? And it could have been a pretty long time. He is eternal. We understand eternal. He always has been. He was never created. He never just started. He was and always has been. He is eternal. What did he do? He fellowshipped himself. What do you mean? He beheld himself. The father beheld the son. The son beheld the, the father. They spoke love. They spoke edifying. They, they, they just lavished this eternal, eternal joy. Worship. And it's the fellowship. And so creation is all about God expanding worship. And so you were created and I were created to worship. And we understand the gospel is needed. Jesus has to make the door open once again through the work of Calvary. But it's all about worship. And when you get into the worship of the Godhead, the eternal worship, First John 1, 1 to 4, the end result of that is joy. I would suspect last night, at the pinnacle of whatever happened in the realm of worship last night, there was a lot of joy. That's just how it is. Why is joy so crucial and so important in the last days? Because the joy of the Lord is the strength of your life, it gives you endurance sometimes we're going through life and it's just kind of slugging it out and it's getting heavier and instead of sprinting I'm walking and instead of walking I'm almost dragging myself along and all of a sudden I don't know if I can make it to the end I don't know if I will endure until the end and then that worship thing happens and, and we, we, we cast off the garments of darkness. We cast off the sorrow and we enter in one more time to the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. In fact, Jesus, it says in Hebrews 12, it was for the joy set before him, he endured Calvary. He saw beyond Calvary and he saw you and I and he saw humanity that got saved and he saw the throne room up in heaven eventually filled with worshipers and it's going to be ultimately all worship all all, all for it. Must worship in spirit and in truth. Please turn with me to Psalm 27. Psalm 27 verse 1. This was one of the most Famous Psalms of David. It was known pretty much by anybody who was serious. Paul would have known it before salvation. But after salvation, the psalm took on a whole nother dimension. You see, after your salvation, you're born again. And you have what the Bible calls eyes of the heart. You have ears of the heart. You have the ability to see into the realm of the spirit. That's what worship does. That's where worship opens it up. And so in Psalm 27, David says in verses 1, 2, and 3, I'm surrounded by trouble. I'm surrounded by chaos. There are those trying to take me out. I have all kinds of enemies. Life is surrounded with circumstantial pressure, circumstantial change. He said, though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. In spite of all this, I shall be confident. David, how did that happen? How did that happen? And it's a lifestyle now he's talking about. This is his earlier days. This is when he started out as a teenager. That's why church, church of God, child of let's believe God for a spirit of worship to come. And this is what I'm going to pray at the end. I'm going to pray for a fresh spirit of worship to absolutely fall and be imparted to this local church. Whatever I can pray, uh, I started out leading worship in the 70s. So that's the closest thing to my heart. I love to lead worship. I love to see, porta means door. I love to see God's people enter into the presence of the Lord. Can you agree with me? There's nothing like His presence. It brings refreshing. It brings release. It, it, it sometimes has a fragrance to it. The presence of the Lord. And so David says, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek. Let's be one thing believers. Let's have hearts that are focused on Jesus Christ. Let us have hearts that say he is to be preeminent in all things. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek. To be a true worshiper, God will give you a seeking heart. Just ask for it. A seeking heart. That's what you want. God likes to be found. Sometimes God is in hiding like because he wants to draw out our seeking passion. You get this kind of flavor when you read the song of Solomon. And at some point, she's beside herself because she can't find him. Where have you taken him? That's her heart. That's her passion. God puts that in you the day you get born again. That's instinctive. You can't manufacture that. You can't force it. It's just there organically. You want, where is he? I want to seek after the Lord. The Bible is filled with those who are blessed, those who are in revelation, those who are hearing because they have a seeking heart. Ask, seek, knock. The Greek is keep on doing it. Have a seeking heart. You know what happens in our lives and, you know, for many years, we kind of level off and we kind of get locked into life as kind of day by day and Job and family, I get it. But, Lord, baptize me afresh in these days with a seeking heart. I want to find you, Jesus, all over again. You're such a beauty. You're a treasure filled with everything. And so one thing have I desired, that shall I seek after, that I may dwell. This is the key word. I don't, is that verse up there? Can we get John 4, 24 up there? Uh, but that i may dwell this is not meetings this is lifestyle that i may dwell that i may dwell that i may dwell now I, I i get it we we can be idealistic this is sometimes prophetic hearts you know you you present this idealistic thing whatever i'm presenting in terms of a plumb line of worship that's part of my calling the last three years, along with four other colleagues. We have a Zoom call every week. Give the church a plumb line. What do you see, Amos? I see a plumb line. You know what the plumb line is. Okay, now here's what I'm building. Here's how it ranks. Here's how it compares to the plumb line. The plumb line's up here. I'm down here. This is the good news of the gospel of grace. It doesn't mean I get Buried in condemnation, it's just an invitation. The grace of God accepts me exactly for who I am. It accepts me exactly where I am. And it also says, I'm going to take you on a journey to go where I am. So I'm not motivated by fear and I'm not motivated by you gotta and that forget all that. That's just a religious nonsense that, that many of us maybe have grown up with all our lives. No, 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 no. I will dwell. I will dwell. I will live in worship. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Well, what's David talking about when he says house? Well, that's tabernacle. And David had this incredible I got to go. Qu- what time do you end, Matt? Praise God. Am I done? Am I done? I have been done for a while now. When I'm done. Ooh. Okay. That means we take a little drink of water. You just set the bait. And I just, I bit, I bit on the bait. All right. And worship at the end. Just, absolutely, yeah. You, do you know David Brimer's song "Worthy Are You, Lord"? David Brimer, worthy of it all, worthy of it all. Yeah. Uh, good thought. Thank you, Matt. Because that's very important. We want to do that. Uh, That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. The word their house is tabernacle. David one day was seeking God. He's now king for a long while. The ark is in a private home. The ark had been taken out of the tabernacle of Moses, never brought back. Very important to know. It's in a private home for 80 years. David all of a sudden gets a burden and a revelation. I think the ark needs to come home. But here's the stunning thing about his revelation. He says, I think God wants to put it in a different tent on a different mountain. So like being a wise king, he goes to Gad, his prophet, for confirmation, and he goes to Abimelech, his high priest. Guys, here's what I'm hearing. Whoa, David, are you sure? The ark's the most important thing in the entire tabernacle of Moses' worship. You're going to put it on a different mountain, in a different tent? Boy, I thought I heard the Lord. Whoa, David, this is heavy. Well, they get the ark out of the house, they begin to carry it, they do it in a new ox cart, and a guy dies. Plans aren't working out very well. It's not just what you do, it's how you do it. Both are as important to God always. Please remember that. It's not just what, it's how. It has to be in the spirit. It's in the how that the church has gotten messed up for centuries. Praise God, this isn't a seminar. Chuck, it's a sermon. So... He- Too much to say. That's all right. Praise God. I wonder if Mike's watching. (laughs) Mike, I said it just like you told me, right? (laughs) I did say Sunday school. P.S. Quick. Sidebar. It's such a miracle to have a local guy grow up and have a testimony that's been established for over 30 years. Because the Bible says a prophet's not without honor except in his hometown. And to see that develop is the grace of God. And that tells me God's all over this work. And he's getting ready to launch you in wonderful ways. Praise God. What do you want to do in that tent, David? I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. Please get this now. True worship is to behold the Lord. You become what you behold. Remember I said Satan took worship with him. He knows how it works. That's how pornography happens. He gets men beholding or worshiping illicit sexual fantasy. They are worshiping that. They're beholding that. You become or live out what you behold. And to behold the beauty of the Lord, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Paul took that verse, brought it into the new covenant, Second Corinthians three, and he says, As you behold Jesus Christ, you are transformed. Change happens in your life when you behold the Lord. It's metamorphosis, it's caterpillar to butterfly, it's real. Change. I get it. He loves me as is, but what he has in the future is so greater than as is, so let's believe for it. To behold the beauty of the Lord, for in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. Beholding the beauty of Jesus Christ with the eyes of your born-again heart. With the Holy Spirit unveiling and revealing the Son to you. That's his job. The Father loves all attention to the Son. The Spirit loves all attention to the Son. He is the image to the invisible. He is the visible to the invisible, the very image of God. Worship. Mark 5. Brings us to a story of worship. She's been bleeding for 12 years. Hemorrhaging. Hasn't stopped. Her church says you can't come and meet with us. You're unclean. Everybody you touch is unclean. She spends all she has. Emotionally. Financially. Goes to the greatest doctor she knows. No help. And then one day she hears. And when you hear, faith comes. Hope comes. Courage comes. And a desire to get out of where I am to enter into. And so she begins a journey. And she's now following a crowd of people. Hundreds of people going to Jairus' house because his daughter is sick. And she gets finally, after jostling her way through a number of people, no doubt, bumping them, brushing up against them, she touches. This is the key word. She touches the hem of his garment, which was mid-back. And the word there is, she. Did, it, it, it's not a touch. It's, I'm clinging on here. This is my only hope. This is my last. I've heard about the healings. I've heard about the miracles. This is the only last. And when we come to that kind of passionate, all in, worship, boom, the virtue of Christ explodes out of them and touches him. Touches her, I should say. She's instantly healed. Can you say amen? And relieved. See, there are bumpers, because Jesus said this. Now, he knew, but he's trying to draw out something. Who touched me? Lord, get a grip. There's hundreds of people here. No, no. Somebody touched me. We're talking about touching heaven. We're talking about releasing virtue. What county are we in here? Lyon County needs the virtue of Jesus Christ. Somebody's got to touch the throne room and release that virtue. That's one of your major job descriptions as a local church. She touched him. Matthew 15. Her daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. She doesn't know what to do. She's a prostitute. The daughter is very likely illegitimate. She came from Sidon, well-known area of Jezebel and prostitution. She's a Canaanite not Jewish. He doesn't speak a word to her because Jesus was only sent to the Jewish people. She doesn't know that. Last night she was up all night because her daughter was screaming. She goes to the disciples and they say, Lord, help. She's beside herself. She comes back to Jesus. Jesus. And the word he says to her is not really encouraging. It was quite restrictive. I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But what she did this time as she comes is that she bows. She bows down. Call me a dog. Even dogs. Dogs beat on a few crops. Jesus only speaks what he hears heaven say. He's operating under a divine dispensation, what we call a divine plan to the Jews only. The father up in heaven says, son, forget the plan. Heal her daughter now. Worship breaks through and releases his life. True worshipers in spirit and in truth. Flowing throughout the scriptures, testimonies of worshipers. Jehoshaphat said, Lord, I don't know what to do. My nation's on the line. The enemy is fierce. I don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Remember the story? A prophet prophesies, you don't have to fight in this battle. I'm taking it over, says the Lord. Whoa, that's a heavy word. Next day, the king counsels with his close men. What do you think, guys? The Jehaziel hear the Lord? Is that a real word from God? Everybody said amen. Okay. God's going to fight. Send the young children with the infants out in front. Put the army in the back. Worship is going to lead to radical obedience. Unreasonable obedience. This church, as it worships and presses into the heart of God, revelation is going to come to take very bold steps of radical obedience. And Matt and Olivia are a couple that God has set in that are going to lead the charge, but not alone. I'm listening to this guy on the phone. And I told Mike after the call, this guy's got an old, he's got, this is an old soul. This is an old soul in a young body. Do you know what a gift that is? That's a gift because all that are set in are a gift. Mike was a gift. Matt and Olivia are now a gift. That's what lead pastor, that's what lead gifts do. They're, they're a gift. Now, here's the deal. He's not going to function alone. It's going to be all about Team. And I believe the Lord wants to say to you, Matt, that he's going to give you an ability to see where everybody fits in the right place. And there's going to be a gracious anointing that will release people to function in the right place and come into right order. And you're going to have a wisdom, dare I say it, a kind of little budding wisdom Apostolic wisdom to see where pieces fit. That's what they do. That's the architectural thing. Obviously, the anointing of worship's on our sister, and the Lord's going to come with creative words in the night, songs in the spirit, write them down, teach them to the church. And they will flow on the wings like the eagle flows in the currents of the spirit. Your whole worship life here, victory, offered up to Jesus as a sacrifice, saying two things. Lord, thank you for what you've done. Good grief. I remember Nieder leading worship in the old building. Faithful, faithful every Sunday. Headaches or not. Then Brian walks in and he starts leading. And then you got this thing happening with Olivia and it's all about worship. It's all about worship and it's going to release, it's going to release a creative virtue of the Lord. The grace of the Lord released to a greater way. God's going to give you guys a wisdom. Uh, Don't look at age because time is not in the realm of the spirit. Time was given to us. Okay. Are you 24 or 25? 24. Sorry, I overshot. I thought you were 25. 25. Stephen was martyred at 24. I'm not, I'm not I'm not saying you're you're martyred. What what I'm saying is there is a spiritual save, a spiritual wisdom that God has placed in our brother for a long time and you just receive it. Just receive it. And I'm not saying you're guilty of this. I'm just saying that's what the enemy's going to try to tempt you with as you go along. Well, what the, what does that young couple know? No, 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 no. There, there's no time in the spirit. There's no time in the spirit. There's a savvy and wisdom. And when my brother speaks and when my sister ministers, I receive it as my Lord Jesus Christ flowing through them. And I receive it as a word of the Lord that then when that happens, it's a creative work. Brother, I was going to take you on a real fresh search of the Bible, and there's going to be there's going to be revelation coming and understanding that's going to cause such an excitement and such a passion that at times, as you're speaking, uh, people will say, "Well, who who, who is that guy?" It, my my guess is, my sense is, you're kind of like a teacher and you're going to break it down, but there's a prophetic preaching, anointing that's going to come upon you at times to deliver the word of the Lord. Just flow with it. Just flow with it. It's off script. It's change. And it's all good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Lord, we rejoice in what you're doing in this wonderful church. Lord, I really thank you. I thank you. In Jesus' name, why don't we all stand and Olivia has a song to go. But can I pray and would you just raise your hands with me in agreement? i'm just going to pray it as best i can upon you father in the name of jesus with all the authority that you have graced me with i impart a spirit of worship upon this congregation i speak to everyone with hungry hearts to be true worshipers of jesus christ in these days the mantle of worship upon this house to take it to whole new places. Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I also pray for a fresh hunger to seek you for all of us like never before. Such a hunger, such a thirst to seek Jesus Christ. in Jesus name thank you Lord